0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Small Biz Matters People Policy Purpose for this week. I am thrilled to be welcoming you to the show this week. It's going to be a complicated one, but don't you worry, we've got someone who is an absolute expert in their field to help to unpack it. Now, you don't have to be a fintech or a tech company to work with data as a small business owner. We work with it on a daily basis. Business data, integrated personal information, and the data we hold on behalf of our customers. For most it's just contact information in a CRM. But small businesses are becoming increasingly aware that even the simplest data is personal, it is sensitive and it should be protected for our customers. Digital ID is coming and it will transform the way a lot of small businesses deal with the data for which we're responsible. It does sound a little bit like another government process which will create more red tape, but luckily we've got John Shepherd, who's got a public service medal, and his role is to make the economy-wide transition as seamlessly as possible. He has plenty of experience in this field dealing with small businesses, having previously been in charge of single-touch payroll rollout for the ATO, and he understands the importance of integrating such a big change into small businesses' natural, everyday processes. It's John Sheppard, he's the first Assistant Secretary of the Digital Identity Task Force for the Department of Finance, and he's going to join us after this. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, a show where we are dedicated to empowering small businesses and advisors to engage with policy and advocacy. Why? Because what government does very much matters to all small biz, good and bad. Sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office, each week we sit down with experts, advocates, business leaders, policymakers, and politicians to dive into specific areas of government policy that affects your clients and your business. We'll give you the heads up on what's coming down the policy pipeline. Find out who's fighting in your corner and empower you with ways you can influence those decisions which affect your business every single day. We proudly broadcast live on our local community radio station, Triple H 100.1 FM, the Community Broadcasting Network and later wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's hear from this week's expert on Small Biz Matters. People, policy, purpose. We are in Canberra today at Small Biz Matters, People, Policy, Purpose, and I'm very pleased to be welcoming to the program once again John Sheppard, the first Assistant Secretary of the Digital Identity Task Force at the Department of Finance. Now, first of all, can I congratulate you on your PSM? It's wonderful news. You've given so much of your time and effort and career to the public service. So first of all, congratulations on your medal.
1: Thanks, Alexi. appreciate
0: that. <laughs> and it's great to have you back on the program. We've spoken to you previously about single-touch payroll and your role with the Australian Bureau of Statistics. In fact, we have your colleague um, recently on the program, Bjorn Jarvis, talking about the great work that you did there. And this is another role where you are connecting, once again, small business into the workings and the machinations of government. It's, it's great to have you in this role because this is complex, what we're going to be talking about today, and it has real practical implications. So um, we are going to be speaking about digital ID. Um, Those of you out there who are small business owners and their advisors will be familiar with ways of interacting with government that require two-step authentication. They require digital identification. And the whole purpose of this is to make it easier, more streamlined um, and more secure in this um, digitally sensitive environment. So first of all, let's um, have a chat about what you suspect the impact is going to be for small business people. Do they have anything to fear or is this going to make things better for them in the long run, John?
1: Um, look, I think the first thing you, you made is right um, about is there is some complexity here with digital ID. There is, you know, different levels of understanding of what it means. Um, but ultimately, this is about making it easier for people, um, easier for people to, to um, show who they are, um, securely verify themselves to be able to operate online or in person, um, and to get away from actually sharing um, a lot of their personal identity documents. And people have had. A lot of people had the experience. I, I had that experience with some of the big data breaches over the last couple of years where um, over that time I have shared my documents more times, my birth certificate, my driver's licence and other things more than I, times than I care to even think about. Um, and you don't think about it too much until something goes wrong and there is a big breach. Um, and a lot of people um, had to do a lot then in terms of how do they recover from those breaches as well. So um, essentially digital ID, um, three big um, outcomes there um, are around... Protect. So, how do I protect myself um, and protect my identity, um, but still be able to securely, you know, verify myself online? Um, Secondly, that ease of use. So, I know that when I've had to go and start a new bank account or change banks, digging my birth certificate out of the filing cabinet is not my favourite thing to actually do. Um, But you know, start a new job. Even I've had to do that um, when starting this job. Um, So that ease of actually reusing. Once I've done my verification, I do it once, and then I can redo it many times over. Um, and the third one really does hit to the heart of business and particularly small business but the requirements that make a business have to and, and there's particular requirements in the legislation in some um, sectors um, we think of things like um, the banking sector but also financial um, advisors and others real estate where you've actually got to know um, there are requirements in law that um, require you to prove the identity of the person that you're dealing with know your client recommendation know your client requirements and um, that require you to collect this information from them, verify it, that it's correct back to um, back to source um, using some of the services that are available, um, store that information for some kind of period um, and importantly now protect. And that protect piece has become more and more expensive and more important as well and it's the thing that I think probably keep some of the business owners up at night about what am I holding and what would it mean and what am I liable for if that was to be actually breached in some way. So um, that to me is when we talk small business is the big benefit on the business side to be able to rely on a third party um, verification and to know that it's been done properly and securely and the data stored securely by that digital ID provider um, and then I know that they specialise in that, they're looking after that, I can trust it and I don't have to stay awake at night worrying about these documents that I've collected.
0: So that's, that's a big deal, obviously, because there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of time, impost, and even understanding what level of security, who is looking after that data and who's where the responsibility lies, uh, that has implications for insurance, et cetera, as well. Do you see in the future of digital ID that this will remove that burden from small businesses, that ultimately um, this will be data and information stored by the government on their behalf so or it's just basically an access, prove you're dealing with the person you're dealing with and then you move on and there's no necessity to store it or, or think about where it lives. Is that what the aim is?
1: So there's a couple of bits in that. So um, I might just step back to what digital ID is because I think it's important for your mm. listeners to really really kind of crunch this. So um, it's not, necess- it's not it's definitely not about creating a new ID. It's not creating a new card. It's not creating a new number the um, digital ID st- system in Australia relies on your existing identity docs and if you think back to the old 100 point check um, which is still a requirement um, at the moment you use multiple source documents identity documents to provide a strong sense of you are who you say you are. what digital ID does is really take that into um, an online setting so it allows you to set up an application um, one of the and and the government system that it's looking to roll out is whole of economy. So it will be made up of government provided digital IDs and private sector accredited digital IDs, and they exist now. Um, if you think about the Commonwealth Government digital ID, that is myGov ID. Some people will have set that up at the moment to transact with the tax office or to transact with um, Centrelink if they're doing Centrelink things, or to get some people might use that to access myGov um, at the moment. Um, So that's the Commonwealth ID provider, but there are also accredited private sector ones. So Australia Post um, is a notable one. You can set up Australia Post digital ID to be able to um, collect parcels and stuff securely. Um, There's also a MasterCard digital ID that's been accredited. Um, Connect ID is an accredited digital ID service provider as well. Um, And OCR Labs is another one. So they're four kind of private sector ID providers. Um, the vision for the future of digiD is that you will be able to choose the digital ID provider um, that you want to choose and then be able to do your verification back to source documents. So the bit about um, who stores those th- that data, the data is held by the issuing authority. So in the case of driver's licence, that states and territories hold the driver's licence databases um, the birth certificates are held by birth deaths and marriages in the various states. Medicare is held by um, you know, in the health system, at Commonwealth level. So those things are still held by issuing authorities. Passports is the other kind of common one held again by DFAT. Um, but there is a service in between that allows you to actually at the moment put in the details of off your driver's license or off those off your birth certificate, the number, the name, date of birth, et cetera. It will go back and verify yes or no that that matches. Um, if you match those documents through there, that is actually what um, will help you to create your digital ID. Um, the ultimate strongest digital ID you can create at the moment um, through ID is to then also match your face. So you take a selfie of your face with your phone um, and then that will go back and check to your passport photo. If you hold a passport, that will give you the strongest ID. Not, we're not changing where those documents are stored and held, they're held by the issuing authority and of course you, if you've, you've got a copy of those things, you hold on those and they're in your control. What the digital ID shows is that you've verified yourself back to those source documents. So I think that's an important point about the future and therefore to your question about what will small business need to collect at the moment, um, again in certain sectors there is a requirement to collect source documents. Run those checks, um, and then keep some evidence that you've actually verified the person is who they said they are, which is what causes people to store a lot of these um, personal Id- copies of personal identity information um, in the future. Again, this will require some changes to legislation um, or um, um, processes, but you should you will be able to rely on the fact that the digital ID. Um, set up, has verified those documents. You don't need to go and do it again. And you don't need to keep them. That's the whole point. You don't need to keep them. You just need to actually show that you've actually checked the person's digital ID, which is an accredited digital ID that's been verified back to source.
0: So the the, the real benefit here for the entire community is having less places that all of these multiple um copies are Absolutely. being held and a, and that's massive I presume and less really
1: copies of your personal information stored by less people <laughs> and the ones that are that are actually you know the stores of those are, are are kept to a very high standard of cyber security etc
0: so can I ask you a, a tricky question here has the horse bolted because you mentioned before that we've we've all <laughs> it feels like everybody's had the breach with with various large companies stuffing things up um, does that mean that It's too late that that somehow you know securely storing these places in a place that is secure is great, but they're already gone. They're already out there. Those those pieces of information are already out there about the kids, about about yourselves. So, what is the purpose of doing this now if everybody feels as though their digital ID is already out there in the ether?
1: Um, Look, there are you know things that have been out there, but there have also been a reissue in a lot of cases of driver's licences and numbers and things. So there has been. Um, a lengthy process for people who have been in those breaches to restore their identity docs. Um, What this allows them to do is, as I said, still create a strong identity, but particularly um, over time with the ability for you to choose, and this is a choice and one of the key features I haven't mentioned of this system is the choice to choose a digital ID. You can still continue to do things the way you you do them now. Um, But if you choose to actually verify your face back to your passport and over time, we, we see that with the passing of legislation there will be other um, um, photo IDs that you can match to. So like a driver's licence, you'll be able to match your face back to your driver's licence photo. Um, by being able to choose to use that biometric to check back to the, the source document, um, that is a very hard thing for people to then um, take or steal you know, or actually compromise mm. because you own your face and you carry your face around. So being able to add that check and, and build a stronger ID through there in using that, you can then over time, more and more services, I think will allow you to to put that as a control against stopping other people from accessing. So even though they may have taken your driver's license number or have a copy of something that you hold, that won't be enough for them to be able to go and access your bank, you know, change your bank account details, for example. Yeah. We, we think over time as this system expands and develops, you will, you will have that option to be able to say don't give X person access to my account details or to change my bank account details unless they actually um, present their face to the camera and show my face to actually verify that. That's a really strong mechanism that I'm in control of my ID and I can make those kind of choices.
0: So how long do you think this process will take to roll out? Um, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of um, IT stuff that's got to go in in the background. How, do you, how long do you think this process will take where we'll start to see the impact in the small business community where they will need to, not need to because it is um, voluntary, but um, start thinking about taking action and making it part of their natural processes?
1: So importantly, a lot of that IT is there now, so um, there is a government ID system that's been created, um, digital ID system, so as I mentioned, there's MyGovID. Um, you are able to use that now to access a whole lot of Commonwealth and some state services. Um, there are private sector IDs that are out there and operating. The most important steps for us at the moment are actually um, getting, putting in place the digital ID legislation and rules. So these things are operating at the moment under under the Trusted Digital Identity Framework, which is an accreditation framework that's used to um, that people need to to go through to be an accredited provider. Um, we think that actually strengthening that by putting in place legislation um, and establishing a regulator, and that regulator, the government's announced, will be the ACCC, um, who importantly you know can can focus on matters of um, not just competition but also consumer protection um, and to make sure that. Um, they're holding these ID providers to, the accredited providers to the higher standard um, of security and cyber security and all the rest of it. So um, for us, that that early bit, it, it, we're looking, um, we've just done consultation, the government released draft consultation bill a couple of months ago. We've had a period of consultation. The government has said that it's looking to introduce that legislation to parliament um, this calendar year um, with a view to it, further consultation and debate on, on that bill. Um, But the idea to try to get this in place this financial year is is what the goal would be. Um, And then um, the expansion, that would enable that expansion of the system over the next few years. So I think there's kind of two or three or four years there of expansion, but where we eventually get to that point I mentioned of um, enabling you to use the digital ID of your choice, whether you want to use a private sector ID for your private life and a government one for your government life. It will put you in control of those choices, I guess, and be able to choose which ones or whether you just want one and be able to use it for everything kind of will be up to you. But um, they're sort of some of the key milestones that we see. There's another piece to this as well. Each The states and territories um, in some cases, in particularly um, New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria are pushing ahead with their digital driver's licenses as well. So they play a role here as well, and we've got some supporting processes we're working through with the states and territories, again, to make sure that those systems are interoperable. So you can use your New South Wales driver's license, which I don't think is the case now. Mm. You can't use your digital driver's license from New South Wales in all states you basically um, have to still carry a hard copy, I believe, of that licence in some states. So. Yeah,
0: there's some exciting um, developments there with uh, streamlining things across state borders. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters uh, People Policy Purpose. And when we come back, we're going to speak some more with John Shepherd about how small business might in the future be able to access this scheme and be part of the process and how they're making it fair and equitable to ensure that they can be included. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after these short announcements you <music> This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Aspifio assists, advocates and provides information to Australia's 2.5 million small and family businesses when and where they need it. Aspifio delivers practical and actionable advice and research to governments on how to improve policies and legislation. Since its inception, Aspifio has responded to over 40,000 requests for assistance from Australian small and and family businesses, and provides access to dispute resolution services, including assistance with disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticulture, and oil codes. Aspifio also connects small and family business with mental health support should the need arise. As an independent advocate for small business owners, Aspifio is committed to ensuring that Australia is the best place to start, grow, or transform a business now and well into the future. See how ASBFEO can support you at asbfeo.gov.au. Well, welcome back to... Small Biz Matters People Policy Purpose. We're in the room with John Shepherd, who is the first assistant secretary of the Digital Identity Task Force at the Department of Finance. An interesting discussion around where small businesses are going to be interacting with digital ID. And before the break, we were speaking about the timeframes where legislation is going to need to take effect, but also the effect and when that's going to happen for small business. Now, I want to speak to you about that framework. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, there's a number of small businesses that do interact and might have their own processes um, in terms of uh, this, this IT world, which I'm not too familiar with, but how are you going to make it fair and equitable? So we don't just have the banks and we don't just have the states interoper- it being interactive with this system. We've got small businesses who can create innovation and, and be very um, you know uh, nimble and be able to create new innovation in this space. Is that going to be open and available to them?
1: Uh, no, absolutely. So um, that could be a small business as a provider of digital ID services, potentially. You know, there, there is the ability for, for small businesses to come into the fold and, and provide those kind of services, um, look to meet those standards um, and offer those services out more widely. Um, but certainly we think that there are a lot of small business use cases here for using a digital ID to streamline the way they work. Um, one of the ones that comes up a lot is hiring employees. Yes, um, and again, all of the data that you generally tend to collect when you're hiring an employee um, could be supported much more, much more. Um easily and securely by a digital id process because in a lot of cases that's about collecting information to verify verifying That, that step but we also see future again developments here in credentials um so a lot of the things that you know working with vulnerable children certificates and other things which are currently often physical certificates that you've got to collect from your employees to make sure that they can do the jobs that you've got them employed to do. Um, We do see an evolution of those to become digital as well and then be making it much more easier again for you to check those things um, off um, and again, not have to collect physical copies of things from people, but you know, you've got a verified um, working with vulnerable children check. Um, Another one is the um, responsible service for alcohol. There's a whole bunch of those things that at the moment essentially physical documents. Yeah, not ideal. Not really ideal in terms of how you do things.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's really important here because we are, when you start talking about those ID documents, you know, working on a building site, working with children, working with alcohol, you are broadening this out to be really, you know, going to have quite a big effect in quite a number of businesses. It's not just about those who work within um, this particular digital space. Now, um, you mentioned before about the consultation process. How can we be sure that that small business perspective has been taken into consideration and we're not just going to be, you know, a situation with unintended consequences sort of mopping up, oh, we didn't think of that, we didn't think of that for small business. How is that consultation process going at the moment?
1: Um, look, so we've had, um, as part of that period of consultation on the draft legislation I mentioned, the last couple of months, um, we had 20 something roundtables that we did during that process. The very, one of the first couple of roundtables we did was a small business focus roundtable, um, which Minister Gallagher attended, um, and and we had a really good conversation there with small business stakeholders. You know, from my background, I've, I you know really appreciate um, the impact that. Um, things can have on small business, positive and negative. So um, that, that is a clear focus for us to be talking and to small business stakeholders, um, bringing them along from the very start of this, understanding the implications, um, looking for the opportunities because I do think you know, with you know, such a large proportion of businesses being small, which again I know from my ABS background, those numbers... Um, that that is where a lot of the benefits will actually come Um, subsequent to that first round table I know we've been back and and done some further round tables which you've been involved in to really start to explore where are the barriers where are some of the challenges for small business to come into this system and take advantage of digital id so they're very front and um, front of mind at the moment um, in how we can actually make sure that the benefits are gained from, you know, from small business.
0: And one of the questions you're asking is that about how does a small business owner interact with digital IDs at the moment and Absolutely. how you're going to streamline that process? You mentioned HR and collecting data on, on, on collecting information on people that work with you? Um, does that include uh, sort of people in the app space, for example, who are looking at ways to verify that their users are who they say they are? Is that another Absolutely. cohort? Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, whether it's things like hotel bookings, um, whether it's things um, sectors, there'd be a lot of small businesses in the real estate industry, for example. Um, there is a again, commercial
0: leases, yeah, yeah,
1: huge collection of data, as I said. And again, if anybody, um, any of your listeners have actually been through a process of renting a property or been involved on the other side of that. Um, again, the amount of data that's collected through that um, process, the amount of identity data that's collected is quite staggering Yes. Um, through the process. The volumes so, are huge. Absolutely. I mean, if,
0: if anything, you're, you're almost providing an environmental um, pro, uh, service here because we're going to have less pieces of data, less p- images, um, less you know, data sets actually being stored, absolutely. which are a huge user of carbon.
1: Yeah, that's why I go back to there's not many programs kind of like this that Show such strong benefits both for citizens and for business. Um, there are definitely benefits on both sides. Um, no one wants to be providing their documents in this way, and businesses don't really want to be collecting this stuff except where they're required to. So. Mm this really challenges that status quo and says, actually, why do you need to collect all of that data? Mm. Um, It can be done securely and done once. And Um, I
0: know this isn't your remit, but it's in contrast with what's happening around the Privacy Commissioner stating things like small businesses own millions of pieces of data and they need to be more careful. Well, what you're doing is assisting them with taking care and minimising the risk, not only to themselves, but to their customers as well. So thank you.
1: Particularly back, think that's look, Particularly going back to identity documents, like that is the cornerstone um, of everything. Everything comes back to who you're dealing with and what they can do. So um, the identity piece is kind of a really good place to start. Yes, there's a lot of other data that's collected about customers and other things, but um, the, the identity data, what we've seen, is the most sensitive and people increasingly are most nervous about. Um, particularly as they hear more and more, you know, cyber uh, cyber incidents and other things. So mm. this getting this kind of foundational piece right around identity is really important.
0: Yeah, I just as a, as an aside, um, when my kids were little, we used to go to the jumping castle, and they would ask us to type in the kids' birthdays. Like, no. I'm yeah. not giving you my children's birth dates. I'm going to give you a random number that tells you their age, but it's not going to be their exact birthdate. And for me it's been – I've been quite protective of that birthday. Now that is gone now yeah. thanks to a certain breach and that information is out there, which is really disappointing, but it's great to see that you're combating that and trying to minimise the risk for the general community and also for small businesses. This process that Australia is going through, are we learning from our counterparts internationally or are we um, groundbreaking? Are we, we sort of, you know – setting the the precedent? Um, In terms
1: of international, um, yeah, we we are learning and we are looking at what others and we talk a lot to other jurisdictions. Um, Australia um, is a little bit unique in our identity system um, for a bunch of reasons. Um, If you look at countries like India um, and some others where they do have a single ID um, and it's a government issued ID and there's one government identity system, um, like like a
0: social security number that we might know from watching too many American a, me- movies.
1: Could be talked to yeah, or it could be talked about like Australia Card here when Australia mm. Card was tested many years ago here and it wasn't, you know, kind of well received as a single ID, single card. So... And um, this isn't this. this. Model we're is not definitely doing Definitely not this, <laughs> and it's very deliberately not this. So I guess what we've, we have you know we are learning from others, but we're also conscious our culture is different to others as well around identity, mm. and we have an established system of identity. Again, I'll, I'll go back to what we ta- I talked about as the hundred point check. A lot of people would be familiar with yes. that. We're comfortable with the fact that your identity isn't one thing. That it, your ID is not usually checked as one thing for important transactions like bank transactions. It is a combination of those things, and so digital ID leverages that and says you can build up a strong ID through using your existing documents that you have and what i'm
0: hearing is that you've got with you're working with the natural processes that we have not only as consumers but what natural processes that small businesses already have so in many ways you're trying to listen and say what are you doing now that we can reinforce or assist with and take away the burdens of rather than sending you down a different rabbit hole and making you do things completely differently
1: absolutely and this isn't going to happen like next week or next month or there is a, there's there's some foundational pieces as i mentioned the legislation's importantly quite foundational Um, One of the things I haven't talked about here as well, this is a system of choice. It is voluntary Mm. um, to take up a digital ID. The government will always provide an alternate channel for those who choose not to use a digital ID. Um, But there is an important piece we're also looking at around inclusion. Um, We do have a lot of Australians who, um, or migrants to Australia who don't have a lot of identity documents. Exactly. So they actually do struggle at the moment to establish a digital ID. Um, or to identify themselves in any way because they don't have a birth certificate from Australia, they don't have um, an Australian passport, they don't have an Australian driver's licence. And they may not
0: even have an international version of those either.
1: So our system is very built on verifying Australian sourced, Australian issued documents, Mm. which means, and even then we know that our First Nations people in a lot of cases don't, a lot of them don't have access to a birth certificate. So they also find it hard. So we've got a piece here to really try and understand and work through how do we make it not just a system of choice but also make it a system where people can choose to have a digital ID um, if they want one. And that's not the case at the moment because not everyone can prove themselves back to enough source documents to be able to transact um, with a strong ID. So that's one of the things we've got to try and work through. And we are working with other agencies at Commonwealth and at state level and with the private sector because I think everyone wants to try and solve this problem, including the banks, um, are doing work in this space to try and help citizens be able to transact and be safe online Um, and and not everyone's starting from the same same point.
0: I think that collaboration piece is really critical as well because what's quite frustrating about small businesses is um, not being sure where the process lives. Uh, So you want to know that if you're asking a question about energy that you go to the energy department. And I think what this is going to do is consolidate that into one place. So although you're working with private agencies who might have their own version, ultimately, is are you, is your hope that everything streamlines into a similar looking or the same process, or it's all verified universally in one place? Is that well, the not the necessarily
1: verifying in one place but offer a common set of standards and law and legislation and rules so that you have a set of accredited providers and, and importantly the legislation, um, if passed, will allow for the use of trust marks so that people can see who's an accredited provider, they can recognise that. I think people are familiar with that kind of concept from... You know, things like your energy rating on your fridge and all those other things where you know what to look for.
0: Yeah, or the Australian Government symbol.
1: That will certainly be part of our, our goal here to make sure that whether it's a private sector provider or a government provider of your DIGID, you can see that they've been accredited to that standard and that you can trust that they've got the right cyber controls and other things in place for your information.
0: And once the process is better down, will you work continue to work with membership associations, professional associations, to find out how to get this information out there and, and get it through those trusted channels of advice so more small businesses learn how to use this process?
1: Oh, absolutely. So um, a digital ID is great. It's a great enabler. But unless it's accepted by businesses and embedded in their processes um, – the benefits aren't going to come. The benefits don't come to consumers, the benefits don't come to business. So Mm. there is a big exercise here. And I suspect once we get through this legislative process, um, there is a whole process of looking at um, pilots and other things in in certain industries to say, let's actually fix, see if we can fix this problem, whether it's in the real estate industry with the collection of tenant data, whether it's the clubs and pubs. And again, this is one that I always think about where I've got to get my driver's license scanned to show that I'm actually um, either of, of age but more imp- more often it's because to show that I'm so many kilometres from that club and don't have to join it But mm. they've now got a copy of my driver's licence. and
0: I always be wary about that as there well is myself. There's a lot of There's examples lot of that. like
1: that that should be solved here but unless we actually educate and work through with business how to receive this information and it's okay to receive it just – Giving people a digital ID isn't going to be that helpful.
0: Yeah, exactly. Look, John, um, it's been absolutely remarkable as always. I've always always learned so much from these discussions. How can people find out about maybe becoming uh, maybe being part of the process at this stage? Um, are you still seeking um, interested parties in the consultation process, and where can they um, perhaps be involved?
1: Um, certainly, at the moment, um, there's a lot of information on our website. So if you go to a digitalidentity dot Gov.au, there's a little video at the front there, but there's also a bunch of fact sheets and things. The um, draft legislation and rules are there. We have closed the um, formal consultation period on those at this stage, but there will be further opportunities as this rolls rolls on to get involved and give feedback. So um, I can give you, you know, a link later as well if people want to be involved in consultation. I can give you a link to, you know, to provide to people about how they might, you know nominate to say if, if you're doing further roundtables, I'd love to be involved. Yeah, We'd love to hear more from small business. Um, always learn a lot when we sit down and actually understand, as you said, how the processes work in reality and therefore where are the benefit's going to come from.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations for reaching out and, and having those specific one-on-one conversations with small business. That's probably where you're going to learn the most. <laughs> thank you so much once again for joining us on the program, John.
1: Uh, always a pleasure, Alexi. Um, thank you very much for having me on. It's, um, I think, in my third role now that I've actually had a chance um in three different roles to participate in, in in this program and um always a pleasure so thank you
0: thank you again well welcome back to the studio of triple h that was an excellent interview with john shepherd and of course if you've missed any of today's program you can catch up via the small biz matters radio website so check out over one over 220 podcasts i think next week is number 220 so we're still going strong still lots to learn and uh interesting discussions around people policy and purpose Next week on the program, we have the CEO of the Domain Administration Limited, which is the AU, sorry, let me start that again. Rosemary Sinclair is the CEO of the AUDA, the AU Domain Administration uh, Company, who's operated by the government to assist small businesses with um, the AU domain system. It's part of Australia's critical infrastructure and supports more than 4 million .au domain names. They're not-for-profit, endorsed by the Australian government to innovate and invest in the Australian ecosystem to improve the utility of the .au domain for all Australians. So Rosemary is going to be joining us next week and explaining what that process is, especially for small businesses, why it's important that you're aware of it and how you can interact with the system, of course. So join us next week at 9am as always on Triple H 100.1 FM, and I'll speak to you all next week.